welcome you again. My name's Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. For those joining us on the live stream uh, today, we're so glad that you're joining us in worship. Our scripture for the next several weeks, uh, it's just one verse. Uh, it's our custom sometimes just to live in a verse for over a season and, and meditate on it and listen to it. So this is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. So just kind of hear it read to you slowly, and we'll, we'll spend a bunch of time on it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The King James Version uh, ends that by saying, think on these things. Think on these things. I don't know how often you think about what you think about, but it's really important And what we'll see in the scriptures, especially in some of the writings of Paul, the one who wrote this letter to the Philippians, that there's this real important connection between what we're thinking about in our minds and actually what is happening in our lives, that our brains aren't disconnected from our spiritual beings and and even what God is calling us to do. Uh, There's verses like this in Romans chapter 8, so another writing of Paul that says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. The flesh just means kind of like we're doing our our thing, what we want, kind of what naturally comes out of us. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, that would be those of you who might have been with us for the last month where we were talking about the spiritual realm and wearing the spiritual armor. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. It goes on to say that the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. There's another verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's long been a teaching of the church. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This one, uh, it's even harder. Listen, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Like, I'm living my life trying to live in obedience to Christ, but imagine trying to take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And then I've got one more verse for you. This is from Proverbs. So back in the the Old Testament, it says, uh, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he, or as she thinks in her heart, so is she. That seems to say that even what we're thinking about will have an impact on who we are becoming. So a few notes from that. What you think about affects how you feel. That makes sense, right? I would ask you if you've been feeling, you know, I'll just leave your feelings up to you. Whatever you've been feeling, what have you been thinking about? What's been going on in your mind? What you think about affects how you feel. What you think about affects what you do. So our thought patterns, I know this seems obvious, but our thought patterns have an impact on our actions, What we're walking around doing up here, right, is going to impact our lives. And this last one, we'll spend a month on this. What you think about affects who you are, that there's actually a becoming that happens. If you get into thinking a certain way over and over and over and over and over, you will become like that. This morning, I want to uh, set our minds on something really simple that I think Jesus was very intentional about getting us to think about. So just to begin this series, we're going to set our minds on something that Jesus talked about and see how that begins to affect us and even who we are becoming. It's this. Jesus is relentless about lost things. He's relentless. He's, He's constantly talking about it. He's constantly doing it, and it's even a part of who he is. 
I don't know if you know it, but Jesus was actually criticized often by those who were already sort of in the inside, those who were already in, those who were in the church. It wasn't called the church, but those who were in the church, they would criticize Jesus. And one, uh, one specific criticism he got is they would say, why are you spending so much time with those who are on the outside? Why are you, uh, they would say, why are you eating with sinners? Why are, you, why are you sitting at the table with those who are not a part of who we are? And this is how Jesus answered that question. Uh, so we're going to begin setting our minds. This is how Jesus answered that question, at least in one place. It's found in Luke chapter 15 uh, of your Bible. So he was, they were saying, why are you doing this? Why are you spending those time with, with them? And here's how he answered. He said, suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one. That's a big stretch for most of us, right? But we could try Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country to go after and find the one? And when he finds the one, doesn't he put it upon his shoulders joyfully and then come back rejoicing, calling those others around to a celebration that he has found his lost sheep? Whenever I hear that story, I kind of think, well, I don't know. I don't know if that's what I would do, leave 99 in the open country to go after one who should have stayed put anyway. But Jesus says that kind of celebration over the one that was found is the way they celebrate in heaven when one sinner repents. He says that there's actually more celebration over one sinner who repents than 99 who have no need of repenting. So we're kind of, huh? And so he tells another story. He says, okay, suppose there was a woman who has 10 coins and she loses one of the coins. Doesn't she sweep the house? Doesn't she light a lamp? Doesn't she stay up into the night to find the coin? To which I would say, I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience with women who've lost coins, right? (laughs) I know what Rachel's like when she loses her cell phone. It's like crazy town, you know, it's urgent. So maybe it's like that. I don't know. But doesn't she sweep the house? Doesn't she light a lamp? And this is where it gets weird. And doesn't she, when she finds it, call her friends and neighbors to a lost coin party? And Jesus says, this is what it's like with God and the angels when one is found our minds are starting to change, starting to move, starting to get set. And Jesus goes all in on the story that's captivated my life for the last 20 years. He says, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger son went to his dad and he said, dad, I want my share of the inheritance. An inheritance is something you get when your dad dies. The son was saying to his dad, you're dead to me. The dad gave him all that was his inheritance And the son went and squandered it in wasteful living. It seems like he squandered it in a quick amount of time. He squandered everything. He he, he let it all go. He gave it all up. He didn't honor his father. He didn't honor his upbringing. He squandered it. And he found himself living out in a field, taking care of pigs. His job was to feed pigs. But there's a note there that says he doesn't even get to eat what the pigs were eating. And so it's out in that field. It says that when Jesus says, when he came to his senses, would you say that with me, when he came to his senses? When he came to his senses, he thought, my father's servants live better than this. And so I tried to think about what senses did he have? His belly was grumbling. His eyes could see filth. His, mouth, his, his nose could smell the stink. What did he feel? He felt lost. And so he did something I've done on a number of occasions. You probably have too. He began to prepare a speech to go back and try to make things right. Anybody ever prepared a speech for your mom or dad before? Okay. And so here was his speech. He said, Dad, I've sinned against you and against God. 
I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but would you make me one of your servants? I picture him walking and rehearsing that speech. It's a simple speech. It's only a three-point kind of speech. You know, you can probably memorize it. I did, you know. He said, I've sinned against God and against you, Dad. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your servants. I've sinned against you, Dad. I'm no longer your son. Make me your slave. I've, I've messed up. I've squandered everything. I'm no longer worthy even to be called your son. But if you would let me, I'll live the rest of my life in servitude to you. And he rehearsed that speech. And when his father saw his son come over the horizon on the family farm, the verse, the, my favorite three words in this story, it's called the prodigal son or the lost son. It says, and he ran. The he is the dad. <laughs> When the dad saw his son, he ran, and he wraps his arms around him, and he kisses his covered-in-pigsty mud face, and the son, guess what he does, begins his speech, point one. I've sinned against you, dad. Point two, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, and he never gets to point three. Because his dad, I picture him, puts his hand over his mouth. And he says, quick, get my best robe and put it on him. My ring, put it on his finger. My shoes, put him on his feet. Kill the fattened calf. But sir, we were waiting to kill the fattened calf for the harvest celebration. I pictured in Britain. I don't know why. (laughs) He says, no. Kill the fattened calf, my son. Listen to what he calls him. My son, my son, my son, my son was dead. He's alive. He's standing on the farm again. My son was lost like a sheep. He went away, and now he's found. We are killing the fattened calf. He's wearing the robe, the ring, my shoes. We are partying, and the party starts now. Here's the deal, church. Jesus is relentless about lost things. He's crazy about it. He's always going after it. And what we do as people on the inside, it's just our tendency. We tend to think those on the outside are on the outside. And the longer we're on the inside, the further they get on the outside. And so we have to tell these stories over and over again. We have to remind each other of what Jesus' heart is really like. But it's not just his heart. It's his mind. Paul goes on to write that we could have the mind of Christ in our very lives. We could be thinking and acting and becoming like like Jesus. But that means we as the church have to hear a warning in some of these stories. There's a warning to the church and it's found in the older brother's response. You forgot about him, right? There were two sons and the older brother did not join the party. He stood outside calling his dad to him and he said, dad, all these years, I've never disobeyed you. You never even gave me a goat to have a party with my friends. And he says, and now this son of yours, he doesn't call him his brother. He says, this son of yours has squandered our inheritance on prostitutes, and you kill the fattened calf. He's offended by the grace of his father. The ring, the robe, the shoes, the calf, are you serious? And listen to what the dad says to the son. The church has to hear this. You've got to hear this if you've been in the church 50 years, okay? I'm looking at you. You've got to hear this if, you've been, if you were baptized two weeks ago and you've already forgotten what it was like to be lost. You've got to hear what the dad says to the older son. He says, my son, same, same name there, my son, 
I'm always with you, and everything I have is yours. And so the people on the inside, we don't panic when a bunch of the inheritance starts going out the door. We don't get worried when this huge amount goes off and all we can think about is, is our loss. No, God's saying to me, no, my daughters, no, my son, I'm always with you. Everything I've got is yours. The riches are inexhaustible. It's right at your fingertips. But, he says to the brother, this brother of yours, that's what he calls him, this brother of yours was dead. We sat at the table without him night after night. This son, this brother was dead, and now he's alive. Look at him. He's dancing like a fool in the party right now. (laughs) And so I think that Jesus is constantly trying to get our minds set on something that's noble, that's admirable, that's praiseworthy. It's not about all about us. It's not all about our fleshly desires. It's a spirit kind of focus. It's a spirit attitude. It's a spirit mindset that we start acting out of and start living a bit differently. You see, that's what our church is all about. The vision of our church is to see disconnected people, people who feel disconnected from God, disconnected from the church, find hope, healing, and wholeness in Jesus Christ. And so I tell these stories year after year. Some of you could say them along with me, right? I tell these stories to shake us out of the fog of just our normal life, to get us back to a place of relentlessness, to think, to think on something that's noble and admirable and true. It's what our church is all about. It's why we have care night on Tuesday nights for people going through grief or divorce or anxiety or depression. It's why for the last two nights there have been uh, people who live in our community but that live on the streets sleeping in our church. It's why we pay for the funerals of young adults in our community who have died from opioid abuse. It's why we give away a quarter of a million dollars to to people and organizations that we believe in who are going after lost people to shake us out of the fog, (laughs) to get our minds in a different spot, to get our minds set higher, to have our minds look to the noble, to the true, to the admirable, to the praiseworthy. And then what happens is we start dreaming again. The church starts dreaming again about the things of God, about going after lost people. We filled this room up. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're still dreaming here at Providence Church. Our church council is is praying and dreaming about how we could start other expressions, new campuses and other places that could reach people. We don't have to do that, but we still feel this relentlessness to see uh, lost people come home and to throw parties over it. Some people might look at us and say, what's y'all's deal? Y'all are really getting into this, right? And we're like, yeah, like heaven is having a party and we want to join in with it. It's why we want to see everyone fed. That's a kind of a crazy thing to say, a, no, a thing to set your mind on, but it's noble, isn't it? To say, uh, I don't know when that'll happen, by the way, but, what, but to say, like we've said over and over and over, we want to see everyone fed in this community, everyone fed in this community. And then it seems to affect our actions, that the, the food you guys are bringing in, you know, doubles and triples, you guys brought in 32,000 pounds of food last year. Our Providence kids pack backpacks that go to public schools that go home with kids that don't have food on the weekends. Do you know what it, you want to know what it feels like to be lost? Try being a a single mom who can't pack a lunch for their kid in the morning. And you guys set up a fund in every Wilson County school and every Lebanon City school that there would be no kid that would come through the lunch line and not be able to have a hot meal. Like literally the money that you gave now sits in funds in every school in Wilson County. Right? And so we just started thinking, we just started thinking on it. We started thinking on it to see everyone fed. What would, what would happen 
what would happen if a people did that? We want to see everyone free from addiction. There were three young adults who, who died from opioid abuse last week in our county. Their pastor, I talked to him face to face. I saw his tears. I saw his grief. I saw the weight of the burden of walking through this with those families. I said to him, you know, like I say to you, we've got to do something. I don't know what it is, but I'll tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to set my mind on everyone free from addiction. I'm going to set my mind on it over and over and over and to see what would happen in us because the way we think affects the way we feel. I'm feeling something right now, but maybe later I'll start doing something. And then maybe later I'll start becoming something different. It will become something different in our community. We want to see everyone safe. And that's why... uh, there was a family in our, in our last service. They became empty nesters. This guy's an executive. They, they made it. They got their kids out of the house. They were pumped. They were celebrating. And you know what they just did? They just brought a child into their home to foster him. She's a public school teacher. And she, she saw this boy, and she loved the boy, and he's now living in their home so that he could be safe. We want to see everyone safe. We want to see everyone ready. That's this initiative about the kids in our schools, the places of vulnerability. They all meet within our schools. And, and so we have this dream um, to connect with the schools. It's funny. I realized that just this week I was thinking when, um, when I started the church, I spent this time going into principal's offices to talk to them, which I did some in the 80s and 90s uh, here in Wilson County. But this is once I, once I came back. And the reason I was going into the principal's office is because I needed some place for this church to meet. It wasn't, it wasn't even a church yet. We had a name, Providence Church, so I was really hoping that it would be in Providence, but I couldn't find a place to meet. Six months we'd been here, we had no place to meet. And I heard about a, a potential at Stoner Creek Elementary that they might be open to having a church meet there. If you know anything about Mount Juliet, Stoner Creek Elementary is not in Providence. But I went there, I was desperate, and I went and I met with their principal. Her name was Phyllis Robinson. When I pulled up, I realized that the... the her name was emblazoned on the front of the school. They had named the, the whole building after her, the Phyllis Robinson <laughs> building, you know. So I sit down with Phyllis Robinson, and, and I tell her my dream to see disconnected people connect, and she's all about it. She's like, that sounds awesome. She's like, I would give you a yes, but she said, but I'm retiring next week. <laughs> and I was like, here's the deal, Phyllis. Your name's on the building. I think we could work this out, you know. <laughs> and she said, nope, it's the principal's decision. And she said, and I'll, I'll set up a meeting for you with the upcoming principal. And she walked me out of her room to the next room where the assistant principal, Kathy Stivender, sat. She was going to become the new principal in a week. On our little walk from one office to the next, I prayed a prayer that was something like, God, please open a door for us. And I sat down with Miss Stivender. I introduced myself. I said, hi, my name's Jacob Armstrong. And she said, Jacob Armstrong? She said, I know you. She said, my daughter's first date was with your older brother. And I stood up. I said, well, it's nice to meet you, Ms. Stivender. I really appreciate uh, your time. <laughs> and then uh, she said all kinds of wonderful things about my brother, and, and it was a great connection. And you know what she said to me? She wasn't even the principal yet. She was about to take on a whole new school, a whole new staff. They'd actually built this brand-new building called the Phyllis Robinson Building. And she said, let's do it. And we met in Stoner Creek Elementary for three and a half years. And then we graduated and we went to middle school. And we went to West Wilson Middle School and we met there for four and a half years. We spent a summer one time at Wilson Central High School. What I'm trying to say to you guys is that without the principals and the teachers 
and the kids club leaders and the custodians of our public schools, we would not be here. They believed in us before we believed in them. And so now, 10 years later, all the churches of our county have come together and said, we want to see tens of thousands of lives changed. That's not an exaggeration. Right now, every year, there's 20,000 students in Wilson County schools. And so what we are trying to do is to say, we want to follow Jesus into the place of vulnerability because we still want to go after lost sheep and lost coins and lost sons and lost daughters. (laughs) To shake us, God, would you shake our minds a bit? You know, Jesus said on a couple of occasions something that sounded like, uh, worship me. And so we do that. We worship Jesus. We're actually going to get to do that forever. It's really cool. But you know what Jesus said over and over and over and over? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And so Jesus' followers, we have to follow Jesus into the places where he went. The church people said to Jesus, why are you out there all the time? And he answered that by talking about a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. So I need your help, guys. I need you to set your minds not on a pattern of this world. You don't have to conform to the patterns of this world. You don't have to think about what everybody else is telling you to think about. You get to set your minds, because of Jesus, on something noble and admirable and true and praiseworthy. And we set our minds over and over. So the help I'm asking you for is to set your minds on that, to hear the vision of this church, to join us. There's been a lot of people joining even this morning to say, I, want, I believe in the vision to see people who feel disconnected from God and the church find hope, healing, and wholeness in Jesus Christ. We have to be relentless about it. And so what we're going to do this morning, just in the next uh, several minutes as we close our service, we're not going to have Holy Communion this morning because I thought uh, this was important enough that we would um, do a different kind of holy act, which is prayer, a way of setting our minds on Jesus. I know people are getting ready to come up here, but just... Hang with me just for one more second, okay? What I want you to do is begin to think about the lost things in your life, what you need to pray about. It may be a lost son. It may be a lost daughter who's forgotten she's of great worth. You may this morning say, I'm gonna take the next five minutes. I'm gonna pray for the students at Wilson County. Wilson County Schools, Lebanon City Schools, Friendship Christian, MJCA, your homeschool co-op, whatever, the students. You know, begin to pray for the students and set your mind. It's noble, I'll tell you that. It's noble to pray for their salvation. It's noble to pray for their healing. Or maybe uh, you need to pray for that mom who's going to try to figure out to feed her kids tomorrow. And what what I'm saying is, as we begin to set our minds, it's going to affect the way we act, and then it's going to affect who we're becoming, right? And so we're going to actually do it, and it's hard work. We're going to set our minds over and over. And so just in the next several minutes, uh, I just want you to pray for the lost things that, that are on your heart in your life. God can work a miracle there. And I need to speak to one or 10 people here for just a moment, and that is somebody here saying, I'm the lost thing. You know it, right? Because this morning you came to your senses. You're like, I just saw something I hadn't seen, a a vision of what God could do with my life. Or I heard something. I hadn't heard it that way before. Or I felt something. I've never felt that. So if you're the lost thing, welcome to the club. And we would love for you to come. Mark and I will be up front, and we'd love to pray for you. Everybody, though, you can pray however you want. Um, We've had people, you can come forward this morning, kneel, just stand by the stage. We have kneelers on the the sides of the walls here if you just want a place to kneel. We have pastors in the back corners. If you're like, I need to pray with someone about what's going on, we have people that are ready for that. So just during this next song, feel comfortable and free uh, to pray in your seat up front or anywhere in the room. Let us pray together.